This is Soccer Power Half Hour, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network, with your hosts Sam Henschel and Justin Davies. Hello welcome to the Soccer Power Half Hour, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network. I am Sam Henschel, alongside Justin Davies, and today we have a guest. We have Coleman Cox, another writer on the site. Coleman, say hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, Coleman is here to talk with us about some soccer. We're going to talk about the games that happened midweek in the Premier League, Tuesday and Wednesday. I know last week I said we record on Tuesdays. This week we're recording on Wednesday special for you guys because we're also going to do a full feature North London Derby preview for you Spurs and Arsenal fans out there. Of course, it's the most important match next week, and we're going to get into the meat of that in a little bit. But first, Justin, you watched the games this week. What stuck out to you? I think no one can ignore those top three games, Sam. Tottenham, unfortunately, losing to West Ham 1-0 today due to an early goal on Poch's birthday. Arsenal also falling to Swansea. And then Lesher tying the baggies 2-2. Two two. Top three is definitely starting to get a little bit shaken up. And this weekend, there's a big chance for that with the North London Derby. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that, especially after what Leicester did yesterday, you know, they came into that game against West Brom. And, and you have to think that they're going to clean that up. That's a game that they have to clean up if they want to win a title. And they didn't. They ended up drawing, and the door was open for Spurs, and they didn't do it. Of course, you could put that down to a lot of things. They did not look very motivated today. I mean, it's the last derby for those two teams at Bowling Ground, right? West Ham's going to come out hard looking to win. Of course, they've been big spoilers in Tottenham's chances for a lot of things in the past. Let's not forget Lasagna Gate, or let's forget Lasagna Gate, depending on what kind of fan you want to be. And Arsenal did not do well against Swansea. I mean, they sustained a couple of big injuries, which we'll talk about in the second part of our podcast. But let's just say things are not looking good for them after two consecutive bad matches and going into a very, very important derby away from home. I don't know what's going to happen elsewhere. Liverpool put a hammer down on Man City, so I don't know if they're falling apart or what. And Man United beat Watford with a late goal from Juan Mata. They're moving up the table. Of course, they're tied with Man City on the table for fourth, but Man City has that extra game in hand thanks to the League Cup final, and that will be against Newcastle at some point in the future. Uh, what did you think about those uh, other two games, the Manchester clubs? Very different results here, Sam, come from the Manchester clubs. Liverpool, yet another impressive win. They've been known to do this time and time again. They've had those random games where they show up 6-0, I think it was, two or three weeks ago. Now they beat Manchester City 3-0, and boy, are they falling apart. Man U, another win. they got a lot of momentum, especially behind this kid, Rashford. Let's talk about him a little bit, Sam. Marcus Rashford, brand new in the team. He's very, very young. He started now a couple of games. He started first in the Europa League, scored two goals in a, what was it, 5-1 win in the Europa League in the second legs to come back from that deficit. Then he started in the Premier League on the weekend. He scored two more goals against Arsenal to lead them to that 3-2 victory. He's come out of nowhere and sort of solved a lot of these problems that they said they had. Uh, I don't know if he's a catalyst for something greater or if he's just going to help them do anything. I mean, Coleman, what are your thoughts on Marcus Rashford? What he did was pretty incredible. I mean, we've seen so many flashes in the pans, just not just at Man United, but all over the Premier League. Can't really name it to offhand, but I mean, anybody will take what he's been able to give them. That would have been such an embarrassing loss in the Europa League. 
it would have been a bad loss to Arsenal. United is trying to get back in the Champions League race, and they're tied with City only a game behind. So it's been a huge, huge lift for them. Whether it's real or not is to be seen, but it's a huge lift. I see what you're saying. I mean, there are those guys out there like Michu who had that one great season and dropped completely off the map. And then there's a guy like Harry Kane who people said he was a one-season wonder and he's having an okay year this year. Not an incredible year, but a definitely a good year. I mean, he's only three goals off of Vardy's record in, for the Golden Boot. He's in no way a bust. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, like Harry Kane, no way a bust. Yeah, Harry yeah. Kane is definitely <laughs> not a bust. And, and I've already stated my views on Harry Kane being a one-season one wonder if you want to check the previous pods to see what I'll do if you claim that. That uh, you can. Justin, what are your thoughts on Rashford? You know, I think you guys really hit the nail on the head there. He's a young player. He looks good. Promising start to his career for sure. We've seen players like that in the past with Michu having that one good season. I think only time will tell. But for Manchester United, a team that's really struggling to get back in that Champions League contention and rebuild their club, this is the kind of player they need. They don't they don't just need one Marcus Rashford. They need multiple. They need to start recruiting that academy, getting them better and better year by year. And if they can do that, and guys like Rashford can continue to play consistently. They're going to be contenders down the road, I think. So let's move to the other end of the table. We're talking about the race for top four, perhaps top five. Of course, West Ham making a run at that fifth spot, perhaps, or even a fourth spot. They're only one point off where Man United is for that fifth spot, and they can totally get into the Europa League, possibly even a Champions League if they're really, really lucky. Of course, I don't think they'll make it all the way to the Champions League, but Europa League, a distinct possibility. But I said we were going to get to the other end of the table. Let's get to the other end of the table. Importantly, Sunderland drew 2-2 with Crystal Palace in their last 10 games, they have not registered a win, Crystal Palace. They are slowly sinking from what was an incredible first half of the season for them. And Sunderland, to pick up a huge point that brings them out of the relegation zone, now it's Aston Villa who will probably go down. Newcastle and Norwich and Sunderland all on 24 points with Sunderland out on goal difference. Swansea with 30. Bournemouth with 32, and Crystal Palace with 33, all really pretty firmly in that relegation picture. Do you see that point for Sunderland being a big deal, and do you see Crystal Palace really falling down, Justin? I think Crystal Palace falling down is inevitable. Like you said, Sam, this is a team that only a month or two ago was in the top 10. They looked really promising. We were calling their entire campaign a success. Now they're falling. When I look at the bottom relegation area, there are four teams that really stick out to me. One is obviously Aston Villa. I don't see them getting up. They're at 16 points. They're going to need a ridiculous comeback to even climb out of that contention. And then there's three teams tied at 24. Picking up that point for Sunderland was huge. You have Sunderland, Norwich City, and Newcastle, who are huge spenders in the January transfer window. There are two relegation spots for three teams. And of those three teams, I think Newcastle is the best shot of getting out, especially if they can get those new January transfers to really mold under the, the system that they have set up there. I see Sunderland picking up that point to be a big deal. You know, they did get to shock Man United the other week. I think that they have a shot of getting out of the relegation, but they need to be wary of other teams. And they're six points back of Swansea at 16th. So... Despite them having the best goal difference at negative 19, which is nothing to write home about, they really do need to keep playing well. And I think if they keep getting a couple more points, they'll slowly climb out of that relegation zone. But right now, like, like I said, Sam, there's three teams battling for those two spots. Yeah, and the thing for Crystal Palace is, I mean, of course, they haven't played well at all the last nine to ten games, but they banked so many points in the first half. They have 
10 games to play and they're on 33 points. If they can really get to six or seven or eight more points, they should have things sealed up because they're so they're ahead of so many teams still. Of course, they say 40 is the magic number, although that thinking has changed since they moved the Premier League to 20. Teams, people still say 40 is the magic number. These days, 45 is statistically the magic number in terms of points to not get relegated. If they can get there, they'll be in a really good place. Of course, 40 also a really good place. And one thing I will add to what you said, Justin, about Newcastle is that they have that game in hand. Of course, it's against Manchester City, which is a tough one, but that's an extra game for them. That's a game that the other teams don't have, and any points that they can grab off of a game like that, even if it's one point, could be monumental to their chances against Sunderland and Norwich for that relegation spot. Yeah, Sam, definitely. And let's stop talking about these duds. Let's go back to the top of the table. Like we were talking about earlier, West Ham has been very, very impressive, especially at home, taking down Tottenham today. But one thing I really want to focus on is the top three all had negative results midweek. Where's the motivation? You touched on this earlier. Most of these games besides Tottenham and West Ham, because that is a tricky matchup, Arsenal and Swansea and Leicester and the Baggies, these are games that they should win. Where's the motivation? Does anybody want to win this title, Sam? Well, it's tough. I mean, the season is very long, right? It's 38 games. There are 10 left for most teams. Some teams have 11. We've talked about that already. And, you know, you come into these matches, you can't keep churning out these incredible performances week after week after week. Those sort of teams come around once in a, once every five, six years. And sometimes you have that down season where there are teams who are good, but no team is absolutely incredible. And that makes for a really exciting finish. And that's what we're in for here. The problem is, it just happens that towards the end of the season, you get burned out, injuries, rotation. Teams have bad weeks. And there are all the time those those weeks where a team will lose in front of you and you'll say, this is our chance to take advantage of that loss and move forward. And it just happens that it's a bad week for everyone. And if you look at the way it happened, so much energy poured in last weekend, so much energy being saved by especially Tottenham and Arsenal for this weekend. And to sit in the middle and say, you have to go play these games. I could imagine that teams that are a little bit on the rundown side who put out possibly a secondary lineup against teams that have nothing to lose and will put their first lineup out there because they will put their first lineup out every single game. It's just, you can see how it would happen in in especially a time like this. And if you're a supporter of any one of these three title chase teams, yes, you'll be a little bit disappointed that you didn't take advantage of the other two messing up, but you should be happy that the other two did mess up. And that additionally, Man City messed up as well because nothing changes. Nobody moves. Everything stays the same. And that's really important. And really, to go along with all those physical pressures that Sam just listed out, the extra games, the games in small amount of times, it's like, you look at the top three teams, Leicester, Tottenham, and Arsenal, it's just massive mental pressures as well, because all three of those teams, they've had this golden opportunity. Man City's in a down year. Man United's in a down year. Liverpool is kind of falling off, I guess. Chelsea is in a just terrible down year. It would be just a disaster for... Arsenal, Tottenham, and Leicester to be in this position and not be able to come away with a title, given it that it's been over 10 years, over 50 years, and over that for Leicester since they've won their last title or even been this high in the table. So it's just um, just a massive deal for these players, and they're professional athletes. They're played millions of dollars, millions of pounds, more accurately, uh, to get really good results in really big moments, but it just weighs on them, and sometimes it's just not having the killer result. Tottenham, I guess, they lost today, but really, they gained ground because they had a tough matchup, whereas Leicester had a easier matchup drew Arsenal easier matchup lost Man City of course got blown out it's just in a really interesting place it's really fun time to be following the league yeah Coleman I think you're absolutely right with that mental pressure aspect right there I think definitely these two these three teams are going to have a huge mental test for the next couple weeks every game could be the title implication game and I want to go back to something that Sam mentioned it's the depth of these teams when I look at these three teams here 
I think the one team that stands out as far as roster goes is Tottenham. It's a next man up system there. Yanver Tongan's out. You got Kevin Wimmer stepping in. You have Eric Dyer moving into that midfield role. They are such a deep team, and I think that might be the key to why they can win the title this year. Oh, I definitely agree that squad depth plays a huge role. And you see Ancolo Conte, who was out for two matches for Leicester, and the first of those two, they go ahead and they draw. And you have to say, well, hold on. They've missing they're missing one piece now, and all of a sudden it's the magic's gone. And they had that bad result against Norwich where they were barely able to pull out a victory. It doesn't sort of add up to me. I think you're right. I think squad depth is very important. That's something that we'll definitely talk about in the next part of our podcast, the meat of our podcast, the North London Derby preview. Nothing excites me more, and I hope, Justin, nothing excites you more than a chance to take on Arsenal at home with a title on the line. I don't think we've really seen this with Spurs having the title on the line in recent times. Of course, there have been a couple of times where a North London Derby is played in a title race for Arsenal, but we'll forget about those for now and talk about this one because I totally want want to. So you said earlier, every match could be that title match. This could be that title match. Yeah, Sam, we could not have more of a Hollywood matchup here. The stage is set. Leicester City is at the top. They're only three points ahead. Tottenham and Arsenal are in a deadlock. Tottenham's got a three-point advantage. I will also add an 11-goal difference advantage. But if Arsenal do beat them here, this could be the swing of momentum that they need to propel them to that title race. A lot of people aren't too confident in Leicester City at the top. I don't think it is either. I think the winner of this matchup could be the winner of the Premier League. That's how. That's just how important this game can be, Sam. Well, the statistics certainly back you up. I mean, the percentages for teams to win the Premier League, Tottenham just barely on top of, of Leicester going into this midweek fixtures. Now, after that loss and Leicester draw, Leicester's back on top as the favorites by about 1% or 2%. Arsenal, with two losses in a row, dropped down pretty far. They're about 20% below what Spurs are sitting at, and a win for them here is not only welcome for their fans, not only necessary, it's absolutely crucial for their success. I think that being six points behind your prime rivals and then further nine points behind the people in first place for a chance to win a title, and with that gold difference hole that they're in, because not only are they behind Spurs, they're also behind Leicester. This may be it for them. They may begin to bottom out if they lose three straight. Speaking as somebody who doesn't want to see Arsenal win this game, they need to win this game. Being six points back of Tottenham and nine of Leicester would be digging the grave for Arsenal. This is it. And, you know, after that embarrassing loss to, I mean, not so embarrassing with taking into account how good Barcelona is, but after that loss to Barcelona and London where they had so much hope and then suddenly it dies away in the closing stages of that game, this is their season. The Premier League is their shot this season. And hopefully, from a Tottenham's fan's perspective, that this this matchup and this entire season for Arsenal is symbolic of that Champions League where it started out so promising. But if they lose this game, just like that Champions League game, it could kind of die down for them. And I would say it's actually a big deal from a Leicester perspective as well, because depending on who wins, it could turn into just a 1v1 title race. Or if they both draw, Leicester has a chance to open up a pretty big lead here with eight or nine games to go. Currently, according to ESPN's Paul Carr, they're at 46% to win the league. They could go over 50% with a win this week on the road at Watford if Tottenham Arsenal were to draw, or even if Arsenal were to win. I'm not exactly sure. But of course, the winner of that would get a huge spike in their numbers, as well as their confidence and their momentum going into the following weeks with their fan base behind them and the players and the confidence in the training room and all that is, okay, we beat our rival in the biggest game of the season. We can go do this. Yeah, and I think you bring up an interesting point, one that a lot of people sort of stop thinking about when it comes to a game that's important. You you go into it assuming that one side is going to win, but these teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, they're both very good teams, as much as it pains me to sort of say that. 
Uh, they are both very good teams, and there's no denying it. And so a draw is eminently possible. And a draw, Leicester wins. Uh, and Leicester wins with an Arsenal win. It's the difference between a five and six point gap if they were able to handle business against Watford at the top. And that's a two game gap is what that is. And that's very important for them, two games, especially after not sort of performing as well as they should have the last couple of matches. If they can get back on track, take care of business again, it's a big deal. Yeah, Sam. And Coleman, I, I do also agree with Sam. I think you bring up a great point here. I think Lesher, personally, they wouldn't be too dissatisfied with the draw. They'd be open for a draw, but they're going to be rooting for Arsenal in this one. They have the goal difference over Arsenal. They don't over Tottenham, but also Arsenal is still six points back of them. So if everybody, if everything wins and works out correctly for for Leicester City, they'll still have a three point lead over both of them and a goal difference over Arsenal. If Arsenal were to surpass Tottenham later on in the season, if they were to make a surge, so I think Leicester will be going for Arsenal in this one. But a draw would also suit them better as well. So let's move on to talk about the injury report because obviously we want to talk about the game itself, not just what it means. Tottenham, two players on the injury report: Clinton and G. Jan Vertonghen, and then, of course, we are not sure what the status of Musa Dembele is. Musa Dembele hurt his groin against Fiorentina on last Thursday. They said he was going to be out at the weekend, out today. He was out in both games, but the question was whether or not he would be ready for Saturday. Most optimistic estimates said he's a game-time decision. Pessimistic estimates said well, he'll have to wait for Dortmund next Thursday, which we won't even get started on Dortmund next Thursday. That's something that we're going to have to talk about next week because I'm so ready for that. But Musa Dembele, and it showed today, is the heart of that Tottenham midfield. He is the engine, while Eric Dyer is the enforcer. He is the engine. He pushes it through the gaps. He is the one who connects to Erickson, who finds Kane to score a goal. And without Dembele in the lineup, you see a different Tottenham. I mean, Ryan Mason is a great box-to-box midfielder. He is really good at what he does. He hustles, but he's not Dembele. He's not untackleable like Dembele is. And I think he's a big key to Spurs winning this match. Of course, we'll be missing Jan Vertonghen and Kevin Vimmer taking his place. He's done a fantastic job so far. Hopefully, he will continue that. And Clinton and Jai still out with that knee injury. On the Arsenal side... Two pretty major injuries sustained, well, one sustained today and one confirmed today. Laurent Koscielny did not feature against Swansea due to his calf injury. He will also not be playing on Saturday. That's a big loss for them. Petr Cech hurt himself, muscular problem at the end of the game today against Swansea. He will also not play on Saturday. Jack Wilshere still out a few weeks away from coming back. Santi Cazorla still a few weeks from coming back. Oxlade-Chamberlain out for six to eight weeks with an injury. I think at the moment, the consensus is he will not get surgery. And of course, Thomas Rosicki, no one knows when he's going to come back. That's a bigger list for Arsenal and some really important players on there, especially in the back, talking about Koscielny and Czech, the heart of the defense. What do you think about that, Justin? Let's talk about Arsenal first, and then we'll move on to Tottenham a little bit. Those are the rocks and anchors of their defense. This is vital for the game. This could already kill them. This could be the thorn in their side for this game. Tottenham is a very versatile attack. So many players that can kill you. you got Lamella, Erickson, Harry Kane, of course. So many players, Deli Ali, that can come in and make an impact in the game at any moment. This is going to be very hard for Arsenal to overcome. Let's move to the other side of the ball here, Tottenham. Like I said before, they're a very, very deep team. But if there is one player who you might call irreplaceable in this lineup besides our goalkeeper, I think it would be Dembele. No one can replicate the style of play that he has. And this is quite possibly the biggest derby game of his entire career. If I'm going to play some money on it, I'm going to bet that he's out there on Saturday, Sam. 
I definitely agree with that. I think he's going to come back. I mean, he has to come back. Pochettino will will him to come back. He'll do whatever black magic that Pochettino has that he's pulling out of his hat this season to bring Dembele back because he needs to be back. And I just hope that he is. Because if he is, I think that this is a much different game and perhaps a game that we could see Tottenham do a little bit easier with. And I, I have to agree with you that he's one of... Maybe three, I think, that Harry Kane, just due to inability to have a second striker, irreplaceable him, Hugo Lloris, and Dembele. All right, I have a two-part question for y'all. Do you think any of these injuries has a massive impact, not just on the ability of the teams in the game, but on the general strategy that each team is going to have, whether to play with the ball or without the ball? Tottenham like to play with the ball. That's their system. It's possession, press, possession, press, possession, press. Dembele embodies that possession and also embodies that press. That's why he's such a good player here. If you watch today, Tottenham held the lion's share of the possession. They couldn't break through the five at the back for West Ham. And that's why I think these defensive misses for Arsenal are big. I think that they'll have to find a way to increase their shielding for their back line. I mean, I guess they'll probably start Gabriel, right? And then they may have to start a guy like Flamini in defensive midfield to try and shore up whoever they're going to put in because Spurs are going to come at them hard. And Dembele's best quality is coming at a team straight ahead, running right through you, running through anything you have to throw, and then finding somebody. And with the middle of that field open, because you're going to be shielding a little bit more towards the back, Giving Dembele room to run is never a good idea, and I think if Tottenham have the ability to run through that middle and find people on the wings, they're going to have a better time. He's such a powerful player, isn't he? So unique, you know. He can play box-to-box, but he's physical, and then he can dish the ball once he beats you with his skill moves as well. Dembele is a very unique player, and Tottenham are going to miss him in this game. Like you said, Sam, they love to control the ball. They love to control the possession. I think Ryan Mason could be a good fill-in, Bentaleb as well, but they don't have that physical brute power that can win the midfield, win those 50-50 balls that could potentially decide the game that Moussa Dembele has. Other side of the ball, I think definitely if Czech and Koscielny are out, I think it will be a huge impact. I think they're going to have to make an awkward lineup. Probably Chambers, I think, would probably have to slide into the center back. He's done it before. I don't know if he'll be able to do it as well again against Tottenham. I think the bigger story here would be the two anchors of Arsenal's defense being out. Anything else, any other players missing from the Arsenal lineup, I think we'd have to say Tottenham. But in this in this case, two of those, those two players are so integral to that team that I think that's the bigger story here. And I think lucky for us, it's going to be a different kind of game. And I think this could be a game that's going to be wide open. Okay, so... What you just said was is part of what I was going to ask for my second question. And obviously the nature of the game, it, oftentimes in soccer, we, like we have this huge game, both teams really need to win, but also at the same time, both teams really need to lose. And it turns into kind of a, like a dull stalemate. Both teams are so scared of getting humiliated, but at the same time, they really need to win. So they're just trying to steal a goal and at the same time, just protect their goal fiercely. Do you think we'll see that? Or do you think we'll see the other, the other way and both teams being all, all right, even if we lose, it's not a big deal a loss and a draw are the same thing. We really, really, really need to win. Yeah, I mean, we've gone through what a loss and a draw means for both of these teams, and it means nothing good for either of them in any situation. A win needs to be had here by somebody. 
And so both teams will try as hard as they can to get that win. And as much as I said Tottenham love to play through possession press, they also can play very well against the counterattack. So if Arsenal wants to get caught out and Tottenham is able to snag an interception on a corner kick or a free kick, another set piece or a push forward, something like that, and push forward, you saw against Swansea at the weekend, they had like a 7 on 2, a 5 on 3, breakaways like that that they didn't really convert terribly well, but that's besides the point. It's that they break away so quickly that even when they don't have the ball, they're still so super dangerous that I could see Arsenal perhaps running a fully counterattack-based offensive, especially considering what Justin's talking about, them missing those two defenders. Yeah, Sam, I think normally this game would just be a chess match. You know, so much strategy involved, possession-based, very tightly knit tactical game. But now, I think, I wouldn't call it a gaping hole in the middle of the the midfield for Tottenham, but if Dembele is not playing, his presence is going to be missed and it'll be noticeable. I think the middle could be wide open for some of those really talented Arsenal midfielders to get in there and intercept the passes and really control the 50-50 balls. With that being said, on the other side of the ball, in terms of Arsenal, we're going to be noticing those two players gone as well. I think Tottenham, they could run a counter-attacking scheme. I think they're going to be a very aggressive attacking, throwing all their deep midfield pieces at them. Lamella, Eriksen, running at them with the ball, north-south. I think that they are going to, I think they're both going to be noticeable. I think the complete nature of this game is going to be completely different, guys. And I, I agree with that. I think that we're talking so much about Arsenal's defense, though, that I think we're totally forgetting about their offensive threat. I mean, you have this front group of guys that any of them could go out there. I think Drew started today, so you probably won't see him. You'll see Danny Welbeck up top. Uh, you'll probably see some combination of Walcott, Sanchez, Ozil, on the wings and out wide and in the middle, that group of guys is dangerous to any team. And I think a lot of it comes down to how well can Spurs handle those guys. Walcott has a ton of pace and Vimmer does not have a ton of pace. It will be on Toby to shut Walcott down if he comes up the middle. Kyle Walker will have to shut down whoever comes up his flank. Danny Rose will have to shut down whoever comes up his flank. And those two do have a pace advantage. I mean, especially Kyle Walker has a pace advantage. He can shut down just about anybody on his best day, and it will need to be his best day. It will need to be every player out there for both sides. If they want to win this game, it will need to be their best day. Harry Kane single-handedly lifted Tottenham over Arsenal last season in this fixture, 2-1. to one. They will need to have a day like that or better. Both sides, both sides will need to have a day like that or better to have any chance of winning. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think when we're talking about a counterattack game, I think that's the kind of style that Arsenal might be looking to play, especially with these injuries taken into account. We're going to see an aggressive Tottenham coming at them with all they can throw, but you can't forget those guys Tottenham, uh, Arsenal has on the offensive side of the ball. I can see a scenario where Tottenham are controlling the possession, really attacking Arsenal, but then you have a counterattack with guys like Mesut Ozil, Alexis Sanchez, Walcott, and Giroud, or potentially even Welbeck. That's tough. That's going to be tricky for our Tottenham's defense to handle. I do think you made a really good point about the the speed that Tottenham has back there. Danny Rose, Kyle Walker, and Toby all are very fast-paced players. I think they can keep up with the likes of Alexis Sanchez and Theo Walcott. It'll be a very interesting matchup. I think we're in it for a treat here, guys. Coleman, what are your thoughts on sort of how the game's going to pan out tactically? I know you asked the question, but I'm going to turn it towards you. Tactically, I mean, I'm generally pretty positive. It doesn't involve Jose Mourinho, and generally games in the Premier League that don't involve Jose Mourinho, even when they're big games, end up being being wild affairs. 
so yeah, I'm I'm expecting it to be pretty open. I mean, you all keep talking about the the big big losses, and they're all on the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of a football way of looking at it. But I mean, it's defensive midfield and central defense. Those are big losses, and I think you could definitely see a couple of tactical mistakes with backups in the game. And so I think both managers will be looking to play a little higher press to see if they can find a cheap goal on a mistake. So both sides will be looking for that. And let us never forget that the North London Derby is historically a high-scoring game. We've had a lot of 5-3s, 6-4s, 4-4s. Of course, that's a pretty famous one, that 4-4. All sorts of big ones, and we've been sort of due. We've had a lot of 1-0s, 2-1s, 1-1s, 0-0 happened at least once in there. In the last three or four years, could this be the time that we're due for that big 5-3, which of course, last time I've seen that scoreline, it was a Tottenham-friendly scoreline, but something big like that in this match could be really cool, could be really interesting, could be an offensively dominated game on both sides of the ball, and I think that something like that is definitely really exciting me. So now let's get down to the meat of it. Just about done here, but we're going to get down to it. And we brought Coleman along today because Coleman is a neutral. He's an Everton supporter, so he really has no stake in the way that this game goes. Sorry, Coleman. We're going to have you give us your predictions uh, right after we give ours. And I'll start. I mean, I've already given you my prediction, I think, basically. But I I think this is the high-scoring game in this fixture that we've been looking for for the last three or four years. That sort of everyone has been saying, soon this will be a high-scoring game, just like we've had in the past. I think this one goes 5-4 Spurs. And I wonder what you think, Justin. You know, I'm thinking something along the same lines as you. I think definitely taking into account those injuries and the, the style of play that we've really seen. Arsenal's really been trending down. Tottenham, despite today's loss, it was a tough game. They're more trending on the up and up. I think it's going to be a 3-2 Tottenham win. I think Arsenal's going to get two counterattacking goals, but I think that the injuries will ultimately be the thorn in their side, and Tottenham is just too deep for them to handle. Coleman, what are your thoughts, man? You all said I was neutral. I will stay neutral. I say we'll be seeing a 2-2 draw and two disappointed sides on Saturday afternoon. You know, Justin, hearing you say 3-2, it makes me think I want to change mine to 3-2. I think 5-4 sounds a little stick outlandish. It. Stick with it. All right, fine. I'll stick to my 5-4 guns, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out 3-2 <laughs> the way that you said. Anyways, that should do it from the three of us. Thank you very much for joining us, Coleman. Thank you very much for listening. You can catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the website. And going out alongside this podcast will be a companion article previewing a little bit of the North London Derby and a little bit of what we talked about in this podcast, tactics, potential lineups, injury report and the whole thing so make sure to check it out thank you very much please like listen subscribe and hey arsenal fans you might want to turn this off but come on you spurs thank you guys